that laugh boopsie oh, yeah that's uh my zoom username call me boopsie it's uh it's my contrarian stance tonight or today <laughs> hey, hey dan wade have you listened have you listened to the latest andy kendler podcast are you talking about thought spiral you're not following the script oh shoot oh you let me get in on that. Hold on. Because that was amazing. No, I haven't. Should we tell them beforehand? No, what I haven't. Is? What's it about? It delves into how comedy has evolved over the years and its journey of growing as a comedian. He shares some fascinating anecdotes that offer unique insights into the craft. That sounds intriguing. Do you think he does justice to discussing the nuances of stand-up comedy? Absolutely. His musings are incredibly astute, and he eloquently captures the ephemeral quality of laughter and its impact on audiences. Plus, his comedic timing is impeccable, so there's plenty of laughs along the way. I recently listened to an Andy Kindler podcast, and I was struck by his preponderance of arcane <laughs> linguistic devices. His rhetoric was both elegant and cogent, and he also had a penchant for using outlandish vernaculars. That made it all the more enjoyable. Yeah, I noticed that too. His use of novel vocabularies gave the whole experience an almost captivating quality. That's my favorite comedy, by the way, almost captivating. Like you were listening to somebody <laughs> who really knew their stuff, yet wasn't afraid to spice things up with an ex unexpected word here and there. All right. And that's our show. Good night, everybody. Okay. First, hi, this is Not Spiral. The Thought Spiral Recap Podcast. I'm Wampus Reynolds. I'm and now right. Dan explained what that and was. What you just heard was a, a script that was written by an AI script generator. They asked, what should Schmicky write for you? And I said, a dialogue between Dan and Wampus about an Andy Kindler podcast. And that's what it came up with, folks. Did you say give Wampus, them I think better vocabularies than they really have? Because that has <laughs> some 50 cent words in there, man. It did. It did. I think you and I are out of a job. Bots have come for us. <laughs> Bot spiral coming soon. Oh, my God. It was right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to be at bat for that, baby. <laughs> I actually saw you this It week. was amazing, and I, I feel bad we didn't get to really talk, um, but uh, there was a crowded comedy show, which I couldn't believe. It was it was a great crowd. It was packed, and it was a very warm yes. crowd, very enthusiastic, and I didn't hear a single trans joke it all night. It was lovely. It was so lovely, and... You know, last week I had given up on the craft. I, I keep thinking of that 1996 movie whenever it t talks about Andy talking about the craft. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, there's hope. Yeah, there. well, uh, the last two comics, TJ and Derek, are are both friends, both guys I really like. And it made me want to talk a little before we dive into episode 292 
about something you said uh, last week or maybe the week before about uh, how you really want to do something new for every open mic. Because those two guys, um, I met TJ probably five years ago. We did a show up in uh, Tulsa together. And he had done his la- or the, his sunglasses story he does. He did that that time. Great, great story. story. And great he story. has added details and nuance. It, you know, he's taking it in different places. And it was kind of fun to see it. And developed, and then also Derek, who um, I uh, when I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, he he and I did a show in New Mexico and Arizona. We traveled with Brad Chad, and um, you know I had seen those, and uh, they have really you know been refined. So what I'm saying is, don't be scared to uh, to work on things. I I heard someone talk about. They saw Gary Goldman, you know, go up to an open mic working on his uh, postal codes. He said, I'm still working on it. And that thing is, you know, famous and known. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I guess I, I, I remember, oh, mid 90s. Uh, I didn't know any better. We went to see Cosby and it was fine, but he closed with the dentist. Oh, my God. Bit. And it was verbatim. That's unreal. He had not changed in a word. And he, he he knew it. And everyone there knew it. It was like, this is like, I'm, I'm uh, you know, at an Eagles yeah. concert. And they're trotting out, you know, the hits. Um, so, yeah, it's good to know that those kinds of things yeah, can evolve. It's good. But, uh, so thank you for inviting me to that show. It was, yeah. It was yeah. good to see you. And, yeah. Um, so, as we are saying this, it is snowing heavily where we live. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's it, it's yeah. very nice out. Um, uh, before we get to, to Tesho 292, I do have a snow story okay. to tell. Um, I, uh, not long out of college, I worked for a, a gentleman uh, in Edmond, a, a, a suburb of here. Uh, and I been working for him for about six months and the first winter storm was on the horizon so i went to him the day before and said just want to know what's the what's the inclement weather policy around here and he said daniel you know what i love about this country and he could have just stopped right there because i see where this is going i get up every day at 5 a.m and i know no matter what that newspaper is going to be on my front porch I'll see you tomorrow. And so now, now that I am self-employed, I can look at a day like this and say, I'm I'm not leaving this house. (laughs) Nor should you. Um, Nor should I. Wow. What a dude. Um, All right. So, uh, Test show two ninety two. It starts with a bang. It starts with it a does. gleeful there. Uh, schadenfreude of uh, the negative uh, feedback that Mindy Kaling, Kaling's show Velma is getting. I, 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 I am 
lukewarm at best about Mindy Kaling, but I don't understand this. This it's venom. it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's very it's very bizarre. There's no other way to say it. Um, I mean, she she's harmless. She is. Um, it's and it just seems like one from out of left field to me. Yeah. Um, but every time they say Schadenfreude, I wonder if either of them uh, saw Avenue Q back in the day. Uh, I can't see really either of them being big Broadway folks, but there's a solid Schadenfreude song in Avenue Q. Ooh. You know, I've never seen. Which goes so far as to spell it. Yeah. Um, you know, I like it is not aged well. There is a uh, there is a uh, character who is a, a first generation American from Japan, oh. and it's a very very comical lisp that is her only uh, her only uh, unique characteristic. Uh, which is hard to watch. Um, that what I liked about Avenue Q is that it was a terrible concept executed very well. That makes sense, and yeah, and what I've read about it makes it sound like that. Yeah, but yeah, the Schadenfreude song, uh, Ernie from Sesame Street sings that with Gary Coleman, <laughs> and it, it's it's a nice nice. So song. Um, yeah, this Velma thing. The only thing I I hope Andy understands is part of the reason uh, it's failing so miserably is that um, that reactionary right wing people are mad about it for having Velma be gay. Well, okay, I guess that makes sense, and he doesn't want to end up associated. Yeah, I hope he. But supposedly, you know, it's not good. You know. Sometimes shows don't work, and this one, I guess, doesn't. But yeah, it's, you know, as Josh says, you know, once something unfortunate happens to someone you really don't like and it doesn't make you happy, that's when you know that Shonda Freud is, has its limits for sure. It does. Now, is this when they started asking each other if they had either, either of them had a nemesis? I don't. No, I don't think so. Or I don't remember, I should say. Please do something. Yes. All right. Uh, I lost you for about 10 seconds. Um, so. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, do you have a nemesis? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, yeah, I don't think of anyone as a permanent nemesis. No. I have people who aren't. I can't think of anyone yeah. who is who's interested enough in me to wish more. Yeah, I have people who aren't my friends. I have have people who I'm I have argued with. I have people who don't like me. I'm sure, but a nemesis, um, I don't know that that just takes on like a, another energy that I I can't devote. To, to one person maybe, maybe we're just not important yeah and or yeah I'm trying to think of classic nemeses out there who are some classic nemeses uh, I don't know like uh, Valjean and Javert yeah 
Uh, there, where, where there's a power imbalance. Yeah. Or Betty Davis, Joan Crawford. There, there you go. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't have much power, so I don't have much nemesis going on. Well, you say that. We're very, very popular in Bulgaria. That is awesome. So Shout out to Bulgaria here. Um, Josh did talk about um, his drywall, having to remove her drywall, which sounds like hell because of mold. Why is, yeah, why does they have drywall that close to an exterior wall? Yeah, that's a... Uh, I mean, that is some desert living there. But, um... It is, but then it, it uh, precipitated the condo versus homeowner debate. And as a homeowner, I'm pretty ambivalent. I, I think a condo does sound nice sometimes. It does sound nice sometimes. I've gotten to the point where I have you know, given up and I have someone cutting my grass now. So really, that was the only benefit of going condo is I wouldn't have to mow my lawn anymore and really that's taken care of i i I thought it was weird that josh was giving uh, little details about his life like talking about parking tickets Uh, that's not like him yeah Uh, that was more of an andy thing and so i thought it was and, and he's in a perfectly good mood about it about these things going wrong but i just thought it was strange that he was giving little details like that yeah it um yeah i wonder what if it was a conscious decision to uh to share more or what um trying to think of what else went on this time i don't know if you gasped like i gasped but i gasped when andy mentioned that susan is a USC football fan. Oh, I did. I, I, um, I had, I, I've made my peace with that. Um, she, she did not grow up in a town where another university was. So, uh, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wonder how, uh, yeah, how deep that goes. I wonder if we could, uh, talk about Lincoln Riley without my voice raising so <laughs> but that's all it, this really was I was just poking yeah, the bear. It, it, <laughs> yeah if you live in LA I mean what are you going to root for UCLA come on they uh the thing about UCLA that drives me nuts is they play in the Rose Bowl and that is yeah really that's and, a and drive that is a hell of a drive from Westwood it makes no sense. I mean, build a uh, you know a sixty thousand seater, guys. They're not even going to build a sixty thousand seater for the Olympics. No, well, I love how LA saying we're not building that gosh darn thing. Yeah, you know, so good for yeah. them, I guess. I did see. Uh, a, I probably have mentioned it. I saw a gold cup uh, soccer match between U.S. and Mexico at the Coliseum. Yeah. Yes, you did. Which is a hundred thousand, and it was packed. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about Sam Peckinpah because that got mentioned for, I think, at least the second time. 
And that is a director I'm completely unfamiliar with. Well, that could be your answer to, uh, was it Stephen Elton Yates' question about what director have you not seen any of their work? Yes, that was Stephen's question. It's a good question. So yeah, that's my answer. Um, I'm trying to, I have seen a Sam Peckinpah. Which one? Uh, I've seen Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. And it is bizarre. And uh, The Getaway. I've seen The Getaway because I'm a big Jim Thompson fan. So now are these like are these like biker movies? No. I, what, what, what is, what is Bring this? Me the Head is a, a bizarre uh, kind of Western. It's set in the Mexico and it's a kind of a revenge tale. And then The Getaway is set in kind of modern, well, for its time. 70s south texas it's about a guy recently out of jail and who immediately commits another crime and he and his woman take off um they're good he's good he's got some weird flourishes that make you know it's a sam peckinpah movie uh my answer to that question would be jordan peele i still haven't seen any jordan peele books or movies and you, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies, I, I, I enjoy. Yeah, I'm sure I would too. I just have. Yeah, it. It, uh, it, it's a it, it's a special treat, uh, and uh, and us when uh, Tim Heidecker shows up in the scene, <laughs> I got excited, and my wife had oh, yeah. no idea who he was. And when I explained it, she had less of an idea <laughs> who he was. Um, speaking of questions, there were some uh, good ones this time. There, there were maybe the most um, solid week of questions I've heard in quite a while. Uh, one, I'm going to ask you the question: What is the funniest humor book or uh, book by a comedian you've read? Uh, it's an anthology by Moshi Waldox, uh, and Josh mentioned that he got this book uh, at his bar mitzvah. Uh, it's called the big book okay. of Jewish humor and it's about 400 page anthology. And, you know, it goes, you know, through uh, from about 1890 up to uh, Woody Allen. And it's just full of one liners and scripts and cartoons and historical explanation. It's a solid, solid book. How about you? Well, um, I think will not attend by Adam Resnick. That's a that heck made of a me book. laugh so loud a couple of times. Um, I guess I agree with Josh about the book about stand up would be Born Standing Up, the Steve Martin. Hmm. I have not. It's read really that. good. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a very good book. And uh, the one joke I remember from it is, um, oh shoot, well I'm going to ruin it, so I won't. But it was. Uh, he was talking about someone he worked at Disneyland with when he worked at Disneyland who put out a little newsletter. I don't know if it was for public consumption or for Disney employees, but it was like, did you hear about uh, the cowboy who wore taffeta chaps? He was rustling or something like that. Um, <laughs> and I remember that well. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, because I have read a lot of humor books in the last five, six years, and uh, but still will not attend is by far my favorite. 
And I will say maybe my least favorite was Mindy Kaling's. It's not a good, not I, a good book. I, I, I read it. I enjoyed her. Uh, I enjoyed her cheesecake factory story. In that. Uh, I liked, I liked when, it. It seemed like the first third or half was great or really good, really honest. And then she was like, Oh no, I, I have nothing else to say. And then just, Started putting in filler. So, but I I picked up uh, from the library a few years ago uh, a book by Jack Handy uh, called The Stench I've of read it. And yeah, it's it and it, it 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 it's a laugh a page, no doubt about it. But it was clearly a little too short for the publisher's oh, taste yeah. because the last 40 pages are just scripts of his SNL sketches. <laughs> like unfrozen caveman lawyer. No, I didn't have that at printing, so I can, I'm kind of glad. One uh, amazing thing is Steve Martin lived in Santa Fe in the 70s for a short while. Like, I think when oh. he was touring and would open for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and and in this time, and he had a beard, maybe right after writing for Laugh-In, he, he decided to take a back break from L.A. And he lived way up on Canyon Road in Santa Fe, and his next-door neighbor was Jack Handy. Wow. Which, uh, it's a pretty fun meeting of the minds there. But uh, Steve grew, Steve, like myself, grew tired of the Santa Fe life. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I left the question uh, about an album that makes you feel nostalgic. There are um, dozens of those for me. Um, I, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, so many albums put me in a in a place in a time. Um, I guess one of the most. Well, let's narrow it down. Uh, what album brings you back to? Uh, Senior year of high school. Uh, senior year of high school. Uh, our beloved revolutionary sweetheart by camper Van Beethoven. Big time. Uh -huh. How about you? Uh, let's see. That would be the Trinity session by Cowboy Junkies. That's my freshman year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I had a roommate. I lived for a, no, I guess sophomore, sophomore year. Uh, uh, okay. That no. adds up. Freshman, freshman year. Yeah, I moved my freshman spring semester and I moved in with my friends. And I had a room, it was an attic room that was, you know, with slanted ceilings. Um, but I had to walk through my, uh, my roommate's room to get to it. And yes, I had one of those. He, that's how he would wind down for the day with was with Trinity sessions. So I would hear that on my way to bed. Yeah. Uh, in 93, I had a roommate. Uh, we were in a duplex with one bathroom. So he had to walk through my bedroom to get to the bathroom. You know, so my door was always open and he could not sleep. Literally could not sleep unless the cure was oh, God. So the cure was on all night 
every night. Oh, He's a lovely person. Uh, Jason Pardon really ruffled Josh's feathers. I, I, in my notes, I put Jason Parton turned down. He did, yeah. I, I think, I think Josh feels bad. You know, he's like, "Am I right for this?" But yeah, I under. But I, as a person who who uses part of Josh's music for for our <laughs> own theme, I, I, you know, um, just barely, and it's played backwards, so. But um, right. I I understand Josh's position. Um, um I I thought that I, I thought it was interesting that it was an immediate no. Yeah. Followed by some self doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote this note that Andy Kindler cannot come up with a name for nouns like jar or refrigerator at times. But he can recite the names of pharmaceuticals like a champ. <laughs> it's can. unreal. Uh, I, I really want to ask him uh, if he, uh, what his thoughts are on, I, I made a note just for this pharma pharmaceutical, preservation. What is that? I don't know, but I saw an ad for preservation. I was like, I will bet a hundred dollars that preservation will come up in the next four okay. weeks. I can't wait because it's up there with Ozan. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so in the you know in the nineties when I lived in L.A., uh, a friend of mine was a a doctor, an internist, uh, I think UCLA Medical School, but he told us about uh, that Pfizer was having this contest to uh, name their new um, their new drug that cured male impotence. And uh, so I think we all entered. I tried two Messex, but I think Viagra, Viagra <laughs> won. <laughs> I, I once shared an office with, with a, a doctor. And so the, I, I had farm rep lunch at least twice a week. Because yeah. they'd just, you know, they'd buy, you know, Jason's for 20. Leave it in the office every day. It was Jeez. quite a life. Uh, I went on to YouTube and played this version of Silent Night by Crosby, Souls and Nash. Okay. Uh, and it was so memorable that I sent it to John Solomon, the Christmas DJ, who had never heard it. And he replied just with, oof, <laughs> it, is, it is some bad harmony. And Josh described it perfectly. You can hear people begin to laugh in the audience. I, I am shocked I have never heard this. I, this sounds like something my, my friends would, would love to play and share. I can't, I'm going to look it up myself. Yeah, it's it, it's worth a listen, uh, and it's it's in the same vein as uh, um, oh, bear with me. I'm seven million years old, so I can't remember names. Uh, do, 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 do. It's in the same spirit as Patty Labelle uh, doing this Christmas at okay. Capitol, uh, which is 
mandatory yeah. listening. I have heard that that beauty. Yeah. Uh, I laughed at Josh's nickname for the offensive line, calling them the that holding company. Classic, quick Josh joke there. Very impressive. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I bet Josh is fun at parties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he'll bring a joint. The same. Um, what is, I, I had one other, I had a note or two. Oh, the, the question about dangerous animals. Yes. Um, yeah, so Andy told the story about a, what, a rabid can, raccoon or, okay. Yes. And then. And then Josh had a few examples <laughs> of angry bison, and yeah, that that surprised me. My my dangerous animal was when I was in Mexico. I took this uh, kind of boat cruise through a jungle, and uh, crocodiles would swim up on your uh, up to the boat sometimes. You know these big crocodiles. I, I don't have anything that exotic, but uh, my uh, my late father's house was lousy with copperheads, and he would just. And then the crocodile bit my leg off. Okay. Oh. Well, I think we had a a snow related uh, Wi-Fi hiccup there. So, oh, okay. We're on just the go, hot, we're on the hot spot. Just go back and just cut out my whole crocodile spiel, whatever was recorded out. I will do that. All right. All right. I'm. That's what I've got on the show. I'm still not ready to make my big announcement. I'm excited when you can, and I can get details. Well, if uh, if a, a if a certain person will ever respond to my messages, we can get this thing lined up. Oh, and okay. Oh, I have one more note. Um, yeah. And this isn't an excuse to hang up. This is an actual note. Uh, you had the question on to Josh about when he first got cable and his memories yes. of early cable. Uh, and uh, I, I, his, his. His answers were, were very similar to mine. A lot of uh, you can't do that on television, just the, the really early low-budget Nick stuff where they yeah. were just buying stuff from Canada. Um, I watched a lot of Australian rules football because that's all that ESPN could afford. Oh, I remember that. Yes. And it was so Divine. classy. And I remember uh, Cubs games on WGN. I got, we got cable. We were one of the first cable customers in Norman. And the main things I really remember is how clear the picture was. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, compared to, to uh, antenna television and how amazing it was. And I mean, the choices then were minuscule, you know. There was a, a UHF station from Kansas City, remember? So oh. there were Kansas City K Kings games, uh, the pro. And uh, 
And then I remember when HBO first came on and started in the afternoon, I remember uh, like they had a, a ski, like a ski competition from Vermont and some guy got judged badly. And he said in the microphone, he goes, that is bullshit like that. And that freaked me out. I cannot <laughs> believe he was allowed to say something like that, but uh, yeah. Um, and then big for me where Dick Cavett had these shows called uh, either time was, was one and remember when, and they were kind of overviews of, of American history. And I learned so much from those and they were on HBO, like in the afternoon. Huh? Yeah. So very good. Very good. Um, it, it, to me, it was almost reminiscent of, uh, in 91, my folks moved way out in the country and the house that they bought had an old satellite dish, but you know, they were too cheap to buy a descrambler or a package. So they got all these wild feeds and there would just be, you know, they, they would watch infomercials for hours at a time of just yeah. the strangest things and they uh, they watched the 92 olympics from a canadian feed and they said it completely changed how they saw the olympics without oh wow jingo uh stuff everywhere um, but, that's uh, amazing yeah early cable was weird because lifetime would show surgeries yes i remember this yeah that was crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy that that was the option for them. Actual surgeries. Yeah. And, you know, Bravo was an opera channel, if I recall. And A&E showed a lot of ballet. Yeah. That was uh, when they people were optimistic about what people would watch. This uh, is, is going to change the world. Yeah. We're bringing culture to people, and that's what they want. And uh, yeah, early cable was was crazy. There are there are shows that you know I still will periodically look for. Um, there was a stand up comedy game show on Showtime that has disappeared to the ether. That I remember. That's where I first saw Arsenio Hall. Um, yeah, just uh, there's a lot of things that. It's so funny. I remember Brothers. Did you ever know that show on Showtime? No. no. I, it was no, like we we weren't we weren't Showtime. It was like the first uh, produced sitcom for for Showtime or for cable, and the big hook was one of the brothers was gay. What? Yeah, and uh, you know, trying to it, it didn't. It wasn't crass about it or anything, or maybe a little, but it turned into a, just a really boring sitcom. Right. I, I, I do remember going over to a, a friend of a friend's house that, that did have Showtime, and they showed Super Dave, and I was mortified. <laughs> I'd never seen anything so vile in my life. Well... That was the least vile thing on that show, though. So, 
Uh, oh, and I, I, I can't, I, I can't uh, neglect the, the, uh, the, the fact that that Nickelodeon would shut off very sudden, six p.m. Sad.